You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week. We hope we have reached uh, what used to be the the quarter pole of the season, now with the extra game in there. But it's still, we're at the quarter pole. Four games in, heading into week five, end of the extended preseason for most teams. We're starting to kind of get a feel for you know where the league is going what are some of the trends so we're going to kind of get a temperature check where we're at uh, we'll talk about some three and one teams who's looking good who isn't the one and three teams can somebody turn it around got to start talking about coaches on the hot seat and of course uh, just an overall general temperature check at the quarter pole so Alex what are you feeling is there any trend that you're seeing so far in the league that uh, we need to keep an eye on a lot of two and two teams that's what i'm seeing as a whole a lot of teams that are through the first month of the season through the first four games of the season are standing there at like 500 you don't know which way they're gonna tip i mean some games those teams look like they belong in the playoffs and then there are other you know certain games that you watch and you're like this team doesn't belong in the playoffs this team should be like 2-15. and 15. Like you said last week, I believe, you said there's a lot of parity. And I'm looking at our favorite division, NFC West. In the NFC West, I mean, all four teams are 2-2. Two and two. And right now, you just don't know, like, which team to side with. Of course, based on that performance on Monday night that the 49ers put up, that their defense, you know, showcased, I feel confident that the 49ers should be good to go. This is a a playoff team but again a lot of parity it could go either way right now we're kind of sitting there at the breaking point can somebody get over the hump and, and get over 500 well in all the build-up to the season our preview shows and the, you know everything that we did leading up would you have thought at any time that if we would have brought up the fact that geno smith cooper rush jared goff would be you know near or at the top of like quarterback ratings, uh, statistical leaders, uh, you know, winning some games at this point in the season. That was to me, I guess, as far as looking at just kind of the first four games, a storyline right there. Can that continue? I mean, especially the Geno Smith one, which all props to him. I mean, he looks like he's back at West Virginia slinging the rock, proving Pete right, I guess, so far. Now, granted, they're only two and two, but it looked like coming into the season, it was going to be a disaster on offense. But they're moving the ball. They're scoring some points. We're looking at, again, they're three and one teams, which is most vulnerable. One and three teams, which ones are going to turn it around? Let's look at Geno. Can this conti- can he continue this? I mean, he's hitting out nearly 80% of his throws. I would say no. I don't think any quarterback, average quarterback, can continue at this rate. But I certainly wouldn't have thought that Geno Smith, up to this point, would be having a better season than Russell Wilson. I mean, right now, the Seahawks look like geniuses. The fact that they traded Russell to the Denver Broncos, he doesn't look like the same player. He doesn't feel comfortable in that offensive system. And Geno Smith looks like an MVP candidate. 
If you look at his numbers, he should be in the top three as far as MVP voting right now, along with Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. What do you think about that? Yeah, let's uh, pump the brakes a little bit. I don't know. He may be, you know, numbers-wise up there, but I don't know that any voters are really looking at him as being the most valuable player in the league. Uh, certainly on his team, but yeah, let's see see what goes on. You know what continues. I mean, I don't know that he can carry it. I don't think the team is going to continue to carry it. But you know, foreshadowing to the pick segment, they are involved in in the pick segment at the latter part of the show. Cooper Rush, though, here's another one. Again, it, there was like complete panic when Dak goes down. Oh, the season is over. We got no shot. We got to trade for Garoppolo. We got to do this. We got to do that. And again, another sense where the team said, hey, we've got the guy right here. We're going to be fine. We're going to be okay. And not that he's like setting the world on fire, but they've won three games in a row. He's going to start, I believe, again against the Rams this week. I guess it's a slight chance that Dak might play against the Eagles. And that was always, I think, the target was, you know, the game against the Eagles. And it's a primetime game. So I'm sure they're going to really push for that Dak coming back. But in the interim, the dude's undefeated. He's 3-0 and this year. He was 1-0 and last year when he went up to Minnesota and won that game. So Cooper Rush. I don't know. What does this do for him? I mean, does, does he become a name in the offseason that teams might be looking at and saying, hey, maybe we could use a guy like that? Well, I think he's going to be a sought-after backup quarterback. I don't see Cooper Rush becoming a hot commodity, even if he keeps winning. We've seen guys like this, okay? They come in and in relief duty, and then um, you know they put together four or five really good games. Does that make them a great quarterback? Does that earn them a huge contract to become a starting quarterback elsewhere i don't think it's it's going to happen here but he's certainly going to be a much more valued backup quarterback for somebody they would feel more comfortable about their backup quarterback job so he's efficient he is keeping those turnovers down he still hasn't thrown an interception through those four games and i think it's going to continue he's not doing anything stupid he's just playing within the system and not making any errant throws. And you have to give it to Dallas because, hey, they've weathered the storm, the defense, um, Cooper Rush, the running game. Everything is working for them. And, you know, Mike McCarthy, he's got to be up there. You know, everybody, including myself, were calling for his job that he was on a hot seat. But look at him right now, Lou. Yeah, I mean, is this the way that they need to play moving forward when Dak comes back? Right, we paying our, our franchise quarterback forty million a year to kind of be more of a game manager. We're going to run the ball more with Zeke, with Pollard, and and really be a little bit more flexible in the offense than you know having Dak put it up thirty five to forty times a game, forty five times a game, and you know, rely on the passing game when our offensive line is kind of in flux. A lot of guys playing different different positions, injuries, you know, whatever. But, you know, is this kind of winning ugly? Is that going to, can that sustain itself in Dallas where it's always been star-driven and almost more about the style versus the substance? Are they going to be able to kind of stomach that? And when I say they, I think more so Jerry Jones, right? So that's going to be an interesting dynamic when, when Dak comes back. The third guy I mentioned was Jared Goff. 
And again, the guy took a ton. I mean, obviously, it was like a punching bag, you know, once they made the trade for Stafford. And then they, the Rams win the Super Bowl. And, oh, my God, it was all about Jared Goff. Well, you know, granted, the Lions are in very entertaining games. And they're high scoring. But Jared Goff is leading one of the top offenses in the NFL. Listen to that come out of my mouth one more time. Jared Goff is leading one of the top offenses in the NFL as far as scoring points, running the ball, throwing it. I mean, it's kind of, I don't know, I mean, shocking to say the least as far as I'm concerned. You got to win, right? I mean, no matter how many points you put up, but is Goff kind of stating the case for Detroit to stay with him? I mean, is this something that they're going to give some thought to, or do you think it's just a matter of, hey, we're probably going to have a top five pick, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, you know, whoever, you know, one of those top quarterbacks, Will Levis, is that where we're heading here, or is Goff going to kind of do his thing and, and hold on to this job? If he'll continue to play like this, I'm going to say let him keep his job and let him be your quarterback in 2023. Get him another you know, weapon or something like that. Build up that defense because that's the problem with the Lions. It's not Jared Goff. I mean, Jared Goff is what? Um, he's thrown over 1,100 yards, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions. Can the Lions stop anybody, Lou? I mean, they gave up 48 points against the Seahawks. They've given up 28 against Minnesota, 27 against Washington, 38 against Philadelphia. That defense stinks, okay? Yeah, they're having they're having some issues and who would have thought that, you know, a Dan Campbell team that's you know they can score with the best of them but now they can't stop anybody. I told you before the season started that the Lions will score. They they seem to have those offensive weapons. They seem to have the right guys, Swift Amon Ross St. Brown, even though they're banged up right now, but they have a good offensive line. I was confident that Goff, with the right pieces around him, can succeed. And he's certainly exceeding even my expectations. And he's a Cal Bear. It makes me feel good, you know? That was his biggest proponent when they ran him out of town with the Rams. But look, he's doing some good things with the Lions. They need to fix that defense. That defense stinks beyond belief, okay? And they need to fix that back seven. For the most part, they also need to get more people in the front as well. So that's their biggest issue. And I would say if he keeps playing like this, there's no way they should address and draft a quarterback in the first round in next year's draft. I don't know if it's a trend yet. And I'm not saying that all of a sudden the league is going to go back to like 1980s style offenses. But it really seems like a lot of teams are making a much better effort at running the ball. Seen a lot more 13 personnel. I know I'm you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I, I really like it when the Chiefs do it. But if you go and watch some of the plays that the Giants were running uh, this past week with their 13 personnel, because and they do it out of necessity because their wide receivers are either injured or they just uh, aren't living up to expectations. But that seems to be the way Dable is, is moving the ball. Daniel Jones running it some. Saquon Barkley is having a looks like a career year, at least the first four games. And he, as long as he stays healthy, they're going to have a chance. The Falcons are running the ball a lot more, again, out of necessity. Hell, you saw the Chiefs running the ball for almost 200 yards against Tampa Bay, which you know really blew me away. But the Dolphins, the Niners, the Browns, and... 
again, I mean, it's a function where, you know, a few years back, hey, we're going to spread you out. You know, defenses aren't going to be able to contain this. So then the defense is, oh, we're going to play a too high shell. We're going to force you to be patient. So teams like, okay, you're getting smaller guys on the field. We're going to put bigger guys on the field and we're going to run it down your throat. So there's kind of this push-pull thing going on. And you've got these quarterbacks that, hell, you want them to have the ball in their hands. You want Lamar to have the ball in his hands. You want Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, you know, all these guys. But, hey... If you're going to, you know, dare us to run, okay, fine. We're going to try to maul you a little bit. So I'm seeing that, you know, again, the first four games. But the more you see these teams in two high safeties playing these shell defenses, you're seeing more running going on, and it's being successful. So, again, I'd be interested to see if this continues through the season. We had a segment a few shows back about not just the 13 personnel, but putting two really good running backs on the field like their backup running back that they're sharing the load with but they put them on the field at the same time whether they split them out split backs and so forth so again offensive coordinators when the defense adjusts then they adjust and so again this is what i'm seeing and and i'm here for it i think it's great i know you love that the marty ball you love that that football where you control the clock it's grind it out game 20 to 17 defense oh, no. You know. no i don't want to see no? i don't want to see him grind it out i want to see the way the chiefs played the other night that's the way i want to see him play when they when the defense is 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 daring them to run put in the big personnel and just plow through them and then mahomes can just start doing what he does and that was just special but these teams that don't have that opportunity meaning the Giants with Daniel Jones, Atlanta with Mariota, uh, Cleveland with Brissett for now, uh, Miami now having to go with Teddy B, San Francisco with Garoppolo. You know, that works, and especially if you have a really good defense. Well, I didn't mean to step on you. Go ahead. I think it is making a comeback out there, and I think these teams are doing it out of necessity because they just they don't have the personnel. They don't have the weapons on the outside. And and some of those folks that you mentioned, they love to run the football, all right? Kyle Shanahan loves to run the football, just like his dad. Same thing with the Falcons. Arthur Smith, I mean, what did he do with the Titans? He had Derrick Henry. He loved to run the football 30, 35 times a game. He's doing the same thing here, and he has to do it because he's got Marcus Mariota at quarterback. 14 runs in a row in the second half against Cleveland last week. Well, I mean, that was that was a hell of a game because Cleveland runs loves to run the football. Right. It was, it, it, it was a short game. They were done by like a little after 4 o'clock, the game was over. So I'm not surprised. I mean, this game is cyclical and uh, it changes and you have to, you know, also adapt and uh, with the times and, you know, it's, it's a pass-happy league two or three years ago. Now we're coming back and, and running the football more. If your defense is good and you have good running backs, you're just you're working to your strengths, Lou. I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, it's all about personnel, coaches. They're smart enough. They know who their best players are, and they're going to grind them, and they're going to you know uh, ride that horse uh, until they, they get that win, they get that W. So... It's not a surprise to me. It's just at this point, I've listed some of those teams and they want to really establish the run. And and that's their number one prerogative. 
All right, so we, the Eagles are the last undefeated team. You know, they're 4-0. Uh, we've got a bunch of teams at 3-1. Buffalo, Miami, Kansas City, Dallas, the Giants, Minnesota, Green Bay. Um, most vulnerable team, I, I, they kind of stick out like a sore thumb, the Giants. Um, I don't think there's any mystery here. But, again, because of some of the things we just talked about, they've been able to win some games. Uh, now, they're in London this week. They're playing against the, the Packers. Um that's going to be some tough business there because Daniel Jones may not play. You may see Davis Webb. You might see, uh, I don't know, who came, Tyrod Taylor's in the concussion protocol. So they're kind of in a little bit of hurt here. But moving forward, which one of these teams do you think? I mean, I you know I think it's the Giants, but I don't know if you had somebody else in mind. No, it's also the Giants for me. I just, the injuries to their quarterbacks, like you mentioned, I mean, Daniel Jones has got, uh, ankle sprain. We don't know if he's going to play. Tyrod Taylor is definitely not going to play. He's in the concussion protocol. So Davis Webb is going to play against Aaron Rodgers. Are you kidding me? And then the most, the the toughest thing for me is I look at the Giants' schedule, and life is about to get more difficult for them. So they've got Aaron Rodgers this week. Then they face off against Lamar Jackson the following week, and then the uh, Trevor Lawrence is on deck after that the surprising Jags, and then their defense. You know, their pass defense is in the top 10. I mean, their secondary has been good. But the fact is, they only have, they don't have a single player that has more than one sack through the first four games. That's really, that's really tough because Martindale loves to, to blitz, and he's been blitzing a lot with the, with the Giants this year. He, he did it with the Ravens. He's doing it with the Giants. That's just his scheme. But they need to get more sacks. They need to get more pressures on opposing quarterbacks. They're just not doing enough as far as the pass rush is concerned. And I think when you're not getting the pass rush on Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, it's going to be tough for you to, to keep up. They're not a high-scoring offense. Daniel Jones is kind of, how would you say this? He's more of a game manager, I guess, at this point. I don't think he's anything more. They don't have any weapons on the outside that, that fear me. I mean, Kenny Galladay is just not enough involved in the offense. I think he's in, in Dable's doghouse at this point. They don't have any wide receivers that, can, that you fear. So you have Saquon Barkley, and that's about it. But I think teams will figure that out. They're going to focus on the run, and they're going to say, hey, Daniel Jones, beat us. And I don't think he's going to be able to do that. So right now... The Giants look good. They're 3-1. and one. I'm happy for them. They're definitely exceeding my expectations. But this is not a playoff team, even in the NFC East. And, and when you say the NFC East, the Eagles are undefeated. The Cowboys only have one loss as well. So the NFC East is, is not as weak as it has been in previous years. Yeah, I mean, as far as looking at the division, I mean, probably as many wins as any other, you know, top, top division. So is that really you know, indicative of the strength of it. I don't think so. I think it may be just the way things have played out so far. As far as the Giants is concerned, I think just offensively, they're going to try to protect the defense. They are going to, you know, run a lot more of this 13 personnel. You saw uh, Saquon Barkley taking some snaps, you know, direct snaps, you know, in kind of a wildcat look. So I think you're going to see a lot of that. And Dable's going to have to get very, and Kafka uh, are going to get creative more with the run game. But at at some point, you know, you got to make some plays through the air, and that's 
the bugaboo as far as that goes, and uh, they're going to have some issues there. Which, I mean, if we take the Giants out of it, Alex, do any of these other teams, do they, do they look vulnerable to you as far as uh, from a pl- making the playoffs standpoint? I mean, let's see. Um, it's a great question you ask. Um, well, the I'm, Packers, the Vikings, the Cowboys. I'm going to say your Vikings. Yeah, I'm going to say your Vikings. And the reason why I say your Vikings is because you were very high on them. You yes. said they're going to make the playoffs. They're yes. going to be a lot better. Right yeah. now, they're they're proving you right. I mean, obviously, they're they're doing some good things, but their pass defense it's terrible. I mean, their secondary is really bad, and I'm not sure they can they can cover anybody at this point. I also think that when it's going to come down to those December games, uh, down to the wire, making the playoffs as a wild card team. I don't have the most faith in Kirk Cousins. And I think that's what it's going to come down to. They don't have the quarterback that can win those big games down the stretch. And I think their secondary is going to continue to let them down. All right. So let's flip the coin. Bunch of teams are at one and three. Uh, you know, analytics, statistics show, history will show that this is a, a pretty difficult position to make the playoffs from. But, you know, some teams have done it. And some of these teams do have uh, good rosters. They just, you know, for some reason or another, whether it be injuries, uh, inconsistency at quarterback, uh, they're just not getting it done so far. Uh, the one right at the top that like jumps off to me, and not just because I picked them, is the Saints. Um, now, granted, uh, you know, you've got Jameis Winston, who is a little bit of a wild card. You don't know what you were going to get there. Now he's injured. You got Andy Dalton comes in. Uh, they almost came back and tied up that game against Minnesota, which I don't know. They, I don't, they did it with mirrors. I don't know how Minnesota didn't put them away, but they didn't. So I, I tend to think that New Orleans still has a chance here if they get some consistency play at quarterback, whether it be Jameis, whether it, it be Andy Dalton, they have a, a, a good enough defense. If they get things squared away, I think that they're going to be in pretty decent shape. I think the Raiders have a shot. Uh, it's dwindling. I mean, a tough game. They got to go Monday night at to Kansas City. So this might get away from them a lot quicker than, than, than you might have thought. So eh, I'm still higher on the Saints than I am uh, Las Vegas. But I think the Colts, I think Reich has a tough, I don't know what it is about him. I don't know if it's just in his DNA to be more of a comeback guy uh, going back to his days at, at University of Maryland. But, uh, and then obviously with the, with the Buffalo Bills in the, in the playoffs against Houston. But they're one, two, and one. Everything's going against them. Jonathan Taylor's out right now. Uh, the offensive line isn't as good as we thought it was going to be. Uh, a lot of injuries on, on, on defense, primarily Shaq Leonard. Uh, but I think they have a chance to bring it back. But if I if you nailed me down, I would say New Orleans would be the best shot out of these teams. I am going to go with the Colts just because I picked them to, to win the AFC South. And I don't have the confidence in any of the teams that are 1-3. and three. And the Colts are 1-2-1. and one. They had that overtime tie. You're right. They don't have Jonathan Taylor this week. They don't have Darius Leonard or Shaq Leonard, who will miss the game against the Broncos today. They need to force takeaways. I think that seems to be the biggest issue because 
with Eberfluss, when he was their defensive coordinator, they were just so masterful at winning the turnover battle. They seemed to like force those turnovers in bunches, and that helped them in a lot of games. This year, the Colts' defense is struggling. They're not no takeaways at all. I think they're the fewest in terms of takeaways in the NFL. But they still have the easiest schedule in the AFC. It's the easiest division to win, okay? I still believe that. And even without Jonathan Taylor and, and Leonard, I, I think the Colts are, are have to get better on the offensive line. They have to protect Matt Ryan a little bit more. But I've seen some things. I've seen flashes. They need to be more consistent, put a more complete game together. I'm a believer in Indianapolis. I'm not ready to give up. There are a couple of teams that I'm ready to give up on that I was high on in my preview show. I'm not ready to give up on the Colts just yet. Carolina Panthers. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> That's salt in the wound. Sorry. Okay, So, but you've got Detroit in there. They can't stop anybody. Washington, I don't know. They have no identity on offense. The defense that was supposed to be the strength of the team isn't playing well. I, I, it's, that's kind of a mess. Uh, the Steelers make the move to Kenny Pickett. I don't know if that's enough to really save their season. This might be the first uh, the first season that Tomlin has a losing record. So you got a couple of big brands there uh, in one and three. You got the Saints, you've got the Steelers, and then the Patriots. What I mean, Bailey Zappi had to come into the game last week and took the game to overtime. I mean, they could have won that game in Green Bay, and they've got all sorts of other issues going on there, but they keep winning. Um, what do you make of New England? I mean, is it is this it? I mean, is this is this finally the time we can say the Patriots are are just might be at the bottom of that division looking up? Well, I think the Jets are still going to be at the bottom of that division, but the Patriots aren't a playoff team. They they look like a mess yeah, early solid, on. Salah's keeping receipts, man. I don't know. It, it doesn't matter whether you have Bailey's, Bailey Zappi or you have Mac Jones. I mean, the truth is Mac Jones hasn't looked right this year at all, even before the injury. So the offensive scheme, the fact that they lost Josh McDaniels, I mean, that was huge. For his development, it has definitely like he's taken a step back under that 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 coaching that he has right now. I think Bill Belichick will figure it out, but I don't see this this team won't have a winning record in the end. They'll probably win against the Lions because Bill Belichick seems to have Jared Goff's number. But I mean, overall, I, I just think this team is going to finish somewhere like six and eleven. What is it? I mean, like seven and ten. I mean, that's probably their ceiling at this point. They might, they might even lose more games than that. What a fascinating game that is, right? I mean, Detroit can't stop anybody. New England has trouble scoring. Um, yeah, that that that's a tough one. I don't. I, I'll admit right now that is not going to be part of the pick segment because everything. You know, I I really really would love to jump on. Dan Campbell here and say okay he's going to get it done but they haven't been on the road they haven't been outdoors yet so that's kind of scary as far as 
uh, golf goes. I don't know what the weather's going to be. It's not like, uh, you know, it's fall in New England. Anything can happen. It could be raining, wind, whatever. So uh, we'll leave that one alone. All right, some coaches are got to be, you know, we got to start looking at the hot seat. We're four games in, and uh, some things are starting to take shape. And I think uh, Matt Rule was firmly on the hot seat coming into the year Nothing has really changed. I think it's probably gotten even hotter because they, I don't know. Again, another team that doesn't look like they have any identity whatsoever. You can say it's Baker Mayfield. You need a better quarterback, obviously. But I don't, is there any saving Matt Rule? I mean, what would happen? Would they, they almost have to win out, right? You know, it's like a Hollywood story. Sam Darnold comes back from injury and starts winning. The Sam Darnold replaces Baker Mayfield, and all of a sudden, you know, Darnold becomes you know the winning the the winning quarterback in this league. Yeah, it, it's tough. Um, I was I believed in this Cinderella story. I thought both of these guys would kind of fight for this. Uh, they look like fighters to me. Matt Rule and Baker Mayfield. I thought that was a really good combination. I think both guys had to prove themselves. They had, you know, their their backs are against the wall, and I just felt like they were going to come into this year and and show what they're capable of doing. Well, they've certainly fallen flat. One and three. Matt Rule is what eleven and twenty six. That's his overall record. I mean, Baker Mayfield has really struggled in back in Ben McAdoo's offense. Batted balls, struggling with accuracy. I mean, my prediction that the Panthers will win this division is definitely out the window. I mean, there's no question about it. I just think the question is, when is Matt Rule going to be let go? I think at the end of October, like say Halloween time. I think that's his ceiling. I just don't see it getting better. I think the Panthers are going to be 2-6 and six at the end of October. And I think Tepper is going to, say, is going to give him that pink slip. because, And Matt Rule is going to go back to college. God, who takes a, who takes over as the interim though? I mean, I, that's I, is, who's on that staff that you could you would trust? Uh, the the Cardinals Wilkes, right? I think Steve Wilkes is on right. that yeah. on that yeah. staff. He's been he's been a head coach even if it was what for one year, one season. Yeah, he was one but and done. I, I think he would be the right choice moving forward, and I think he would take over on the interim basis. Yeah, like you mentioned, there's a ton, there's a lot of big time college programs out there that at least a handful right now that are, are are looking actively looking for coaches. I mean, Nebraska, I don't know, is that is that really an elite job to have anymore? I mean, he he did a great job, obviously at Temple, and then kind of resurging at at Baylor. I'm sure Nebraska would love to have him, you know. Depending on the money, I guess. I mean, he's going to get paid again, so that that might be somewhere where they look. A couple of names that I think may might not be on like the 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 radar yet, but a couple of guys that are probably feeling it, and for different reasons. How about with the Chargers and Staley? As much as they made of how good he was as a defensive coach. You know, with the Rams, I mean, he's a former college quarterback, so he's he's got experience on both sides of the ball. I think he's a smart dude, but maybe again, a little got over his skis, over his head. You know, however you want to say it, maybe you know, maybe this really wasn't the best fit for him. 
So I think he might be feeling it a little bit. And then again, because of the ownership group coming in after he was hired, kind of the bumps in the road, we'll see what happens over the next, you know, I'm sure they'll give him the rest of this season. But I think Hackett might have some, some issues in Denver if it doesn't turn around fairly quickly. I agree with you about Hackett. Um, I think if, if he doesn't have a winning record, if he doesn't make the playoffs, and if he continues to have some of these blunders later on in the season with clock management and, you know, just some penalties, I think Denver well, deci- is... Decision-making and just maybe a little bit more creativity on the offense. It just seems so... just a- Everything just seems average. I just don't think they're going to get they're going to get rid of him at the end of the season. They're certainly not going to cut the cord during the season. No, about no that's Staley, what I'm saying. He would he probably gets the whole year, but if the Chargers keep you know just kind of again, you've got one of the be- again one of the top quarterbacks in the league. You know, again supposedly uh, top young quarterbacks at very least, and. They spent a bunch of money in free agency, and it's still kind of, I don't know, I mean, same old Chargers. Injury riddled, it seems like, every year. Not the coach's fault as far as that goes, I don't think. But, you know, how long do they continue with this? The only thing I think that's saving him, Spanos is, I guess, notoriously, lack of a better term, cheap as far as paying coaches. But I tell you what, I would... I would bet my last buck this would be the perfect landing spot for Sean Payton. Gets the quarterback. He has a defense. He'll get a a, a top-notch coaching staff. This would just be perfect. But I don't think that, you know, Spanos isn't going to win a bidding war for Sean Payton. I don't think so. I think Sean Payton is going to go to Denver if the the Broncos don't figure this out. I think he would love to have a, a veteran quarterback in Russell Wilson. He would know how to tweak it and how to fix him and create an offensive scheme that would make it work. I think that's the job that he would want, to be honest with you. What are the Cowboys if Mike McCarthy, you know, collapses, you know, in the last couple of months of the season? But the Chargers have the Browns this week. The Chargers have the NFL's top-rated passing attack, but they can't stop anybody. They're going against Cleveland, and they can't stop the run. And you know what Cleveland is going to do is just going to run it down their throat. So it's kind of it's going to be an interesting contrast. Herbert and the Chargers want to throw the football, and the Browns just want to milk the clock and run it down their throats. That's where the Chargers need to fix their problems. They need to fix that rushing defense. If they do that, I think this team is very dangerous. So I still am I'm a believer in Staley because that offense is is clicking already. They just need to tweak and and fix the defense a little bit. I think they can do it. This is a playoff team. It's too early to to write them off. Well, Denver's certainly not going to skimp in paying for a new coach. The Cowboys probably wouldn't. Um, Although Jerry seems to... I guess with Garrett, it was a little bit different. I don't know, just more of a personal thing there. Maybe with McCarthy, he might be quicker to cut the cord if if Sean Payton was sitting right there and he, he thought he could get him. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, they, that certainly, I mean, for anybody that's listened to this show for any length of time, and as far as picking games, that one you just mentioned is right in my wheelhouse. And I'll tell you right now that the home underdog there is going to be very live and very much a part of this pick segment coming up. 
Well, let's go to the picks, Lou. All right. Uh, yeah, very well. So last week, again, kind of, you know, middling, you know, two and two. Houston, eh, you know, they, they they were there in the four, in the fourth quarter. They, they 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 crawled back in. They they again, they they'll play to the gun. You know, you can't you'll never get a weak effort from them. Chargers were up a few points. They got the the kill shot. They ended up uh, covering the spread. Uh, Ravens, you know, luckily there was that half point in there, so we win that game. Jacksonville, it started out great for them, but then Philadelphia just kind of put the hammer down and uh, kind of walked away with that one. And then again, of course, the ugly game of the week, Atlanta plus one and a half at home, got it done against the Browns where it looked like the Browns had every opportunity to win that game but just couldn't do it. So that's a quick recap. Alex, hey, you got your lock of the week. Dallas minus three and a half. Good job. Yeah, I did. I guess it's the the Cooper Rush. Uh, just continuing to go with that with that lucky pick, and uh, maybe I'll pick Dallas this week. But stay tuned. Uh, stay tuned for that. All right, very good. So I've got four games for this week. Again, we're looking at live dogs. Uh, Seattle. Uh, say what you will about Geno Smith and just everything that Pete Carroll, just whatever he's selling that team, they're buying and they're playing hard. New Orleans coming back, you know, long trip back from London. They had kind of an emotional loss, you know, at the end. It looked like they were going to go to overtime, but the guy missed a 61-yard field goal off the double doink there. But uh, anyway, I'm going to take Seattle plus five and a half here, just that they're going to hang tough. Whenever you see these kind of like in-between numbers, like a five, five and a half, typically, you know, that's a dog look. So I'm going to go with Seattle plus five and a half. Talked about the Browns. Very live home underdog here. Wouldn't be surprised uh, if they win this game outright. Uh, So typically, that's a play on for me. If you think that team's going to win, plus they're getting points, uh, an automatic play there. So I'm taking the Browns. uh, Chargers playing their second consecutive road game, uh, making trips across the country. Again, a lot of things working in in our favor here. Let's go with the Browns. Um, again, some of these quarterbacks, I'm going I'm to take Cooper Rush here, plus five. The Rams just, again, I don't know if it's the Super Bowl hangover, but again, it's players they lost in the offensive line, injuries. Right now, you know, Allen Robinson, you thought, you know, he'd be indoctrinated in this offense much, much sooner. He's not getting open. Doesn't really look like they're running any routes for him. It, basically, their offense, if you saw San Fran- the San Francisco game, was uh, was uh, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, and that was it. So I think Dallas's defense is, is, is good enough that they know what's coming. Not that they're going to take uh, Cooper Cup away, but I'm sure they can certainly slow him down a bit. And then where do they go? Does Allen Robbins? I'm not going to trust them yet. So I'm going to take Dallas plus the five points. Now, the last one I'm a little nervous about. I'm looking at the game. Arizona's getting five and a half. I just talked about this with the fives. But they are so terrible at home. And Philadelphia just looks like the total team right now. And it just looks like it sets up perfectly to take the underdog. But I'm going to stay with the Eagles here because I just don't trust Kyler Murray. And that offense is still not quite what they want it to be. So I'm going to go with Philadelphia minus the five and a half. 
All right, I'm just going to go against a team that I think is atrocious. I don't think they have any chance of winning this week. And when I say something like that, that means they're going to blow up. They're going to win, obviously. I'm putting a, you know. Um, so I'm going against Washington on the road. The Titans. I'm taking the Titans. Uh, I think they're... Um, uh, what are they? What's the line? Tennessee. Here? Yeah, I'm looking down this list here. Tennessee's minus two and a half. There you go. I'm taking Tennessee on the road, minus two and a half. Derrick Henry is coming off, uh, you know, a hundred yard game. Washington, you know, just is a mess. Carson Wentz is a mess. He's taking like he's taking a league. I think he's like he's already taken like 17 sacks uh, this season through the first four games. Uh, it's not only the offensive line's fault. He's just hanging on to the ball too much. It seems like he has weapons on the outside with Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson. But I'm I'm taking Tennessee. I just think Tannehill, Derrick Henry, in that defense is going to be able to force pressure, get after Carson Wentz. Maybe he gets a fumble, throws a couple of picks. I think that Titans defense is going to put that game away. So I'm taking Tennessee in this game. Minus two and a half. All right, gang, you heard it here first, right? Okay, again, Seattle plus, Cleveland plus, Dallas plus, Philadelphia minus, and Alex's game of the week, lock of the week, Tennessee minus two and a half at Washington. That is going to do it for us this week. Happy week five coming up tonight. We've got, uh, as we record, we've got, uh, who is it? Indianapolis at Denver. So it's a lot of horsepower, so to speak. So, yeah, that was a good one. I didn't hear a chuckle from Alex, so that one didn't go over very well. Uh, Folks, go ahead and subscribe. Do us a favor here. Uh, Listen up. You won't miss any of these great picks and great jokes, especially. So for my pal Alex, I'm Lou on the way out. Hey!